Hi, I'm Kezia. I'm a stroke survivor and a member of BIND. And hi, I'm Carrie, a stroke survivor and also a member of BIND. And today we are welcoming back Scott Snelling with Snelling's Law Firm. So we're super excited to have, I'm really excited because after the podcast, we're going to talk stars. So <laughs> welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. It's, it's great to be back. Great. Thank you. So um, kind of one of the first questions I have since I didn't get to be here for the first episode i listened to it just yesterday and so i have kind of some follow-up questions sure so you mentioned um additional injuries being added later to the settlement or maybe to what's going on i may say we're drunk because i don't really know lost up um like you mentioned if someone had a, got a broken arm ended up because they had a busted knee from the original accident and then they fell because their knee was busted and broke their arm they could go back and add that in so that kind of brought to me with like brain injury is totally different but there are some issues that don't show right away like aphasia may take a little while to show and to make an appearance in your brain injury different things like so is there like a time limit to file additional claims if additional things happen how does that work sure yeah so in in texas and uh, mind you every state can be different but we have what's called a statute of limitations, right? And that is the, a point beyond which you cannot file a lawsuit. And in Texas, for most personal injury claims, that's two years. So if the crash happens today, I would have two years from today to file my claim, my, okay. file my lawsuit, right? Um, to your first point, you know, one of, the, one of the hardest things about brain injuries is we never really know the full story, right? And I think where a lot of lawyers miss the boat is they're not trying to identify them right off the bat. Um, we have a, a questionnaire. In fact, you could go to our, our website right now at snellingsinjurylaw.com and you can download a TBI checklist. And you know we've made it uh, one of our goals to really inform the public about TBI because uh, as, as you guys well know, mm-hmm. uh, you can be walking past somebody on the street and they look perfectly fine. Um, but they have all kinds of chaos going on in their lives. And it can be cognitively, it can be socially, it can be emotionally. And those things are really hard to identify unless you ask those specific questions, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things that we do up front is we ask these specific questions, uh, we follow our own checklist, and we get people evaluated. Because the last thing we ever want to do is close out a claim, settle a claim, and, and the way that works is, hey, you're going to get money, but you're going to release any further claims. So if anything happens down the road, you're out of luck. The last thing we want to do is settle that claim without knowing everything that's out there um, that could potentially have been caused by the crash or whatever incident there was. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And it makes a little sense because (laughs) I'm not a lawyer. And I'm like, okay, I'm (laughs) continually trying to learn. And also, I think that this is really great for a lot of listeners to really understand too um in our previous episode that we filmed we had like a great example from another brain injury survivor and we actually have two different ones so i'm going to share them a little bit and these are the people that have asked questions because their uh brain injury didn't really specifically happen because of an accident Mm -hmm. but after an accident it felt like they like backtracked on their um on their experience and on their um Recovery. So someone was like, um, have had a car accident a year after a stroke. And then the other um, brain injury survivor had a TBI survivor that was caused by a car accident. But then several years later, 
um, she ended up having like a rear ended on her, I think on her bicycle. Well, her original one was yeah. she was hit by a car on her bicycle. And then later, a couple of years later, she got rear-ended in her car, mm-hmm. yeah. which caused additional injuries and caused her to regress. Yeah. yeah. And then, but insurance wouldn't pay. They said, nope, it yeah. all happened in the first one, and you're fine. You're you're making this up. Nothing new has happened. Oh, insurance companies yeah. never, ever, ever do those kinds <laughs> of things. Come on, guys. Yeah. You know, so, what? yeah, what they're referring to is pre-existing injuries, right? In, yes. in our language that we talk about on a daily basis, pre-existing injuries. And in fact, one of the things that we have to do on a lot of our claims is we have to go get prior medical records to show, no, hey, look, they weren't having any problems with their their back or their leg or, or whatever's hurt. And so uh, in Texas, we have what's called, you know, an eggshell plaintiff rule. Okay. Okay. Um, you take the plaintiff as you find them. And so say, uh, Carrie, say you're involved in a front end crash. Okay. Your seatbelt holds you. You're fine. All right, maybe uh-huh. some bumps and bruises. wasn't that big of a crash. I'm involved in the same crash. Well, I have a kidney transplant, and that kidney sits right here on my front hip. Well, that's right where the seatbelt goes across. Right. And if I'm in that same crash and it lacerates my kidney and I have all kinds of medical expenses from that, well, it doesn't matter that uh, I may be uh, more of an eggshell plaintiff, right, more fragile than you. They're still responsible for it. And how that relates to pre-existing injuries is, let's say that someone has a, a spinal condition. Let's say they have degenerative disc disease, right? Which okay. we kind of all do as we age, our, <laughs> our spines break down. But say I have that and I'm not having any pain. Then I'm involved in a, in a rear end crash and all of a sudden the pain starts. Well, they're not responsible for my condition, but they are responsible for what they've done to exacerbate it, right? Make it yeah. worse. So they're responsible for the treatment to get me back to the way I was. And so if you have a brain injury victim who's then involved in a car crash, in fact, we have a couple of these cases right now. Uh, the, the person who's at fault is responsible to get them back to the way they were or for any additional permanent injuries that they cause. Right. So they're not, caused for, they're, they're not at fault for, or responsible for what is you know, up to that point, right. but they are for anything after the crash. Yeah, and I think that's a really good way to be, like, focusing on because um, by some of our listeners, that's actually what they're having an issue is. Like, how do you tell people, like, I was already doing better and now I'm a couple steps back to, like, either having more confusion or more, like, um, just, like, having a different goal, more cognitive issues. Maybe they're, like you said, maybe they're not physical, but cognitively or other health issues. Like, it's importance of sharing and how to, how to, what do you do? How do you say like this is because like of the car accident or whatever it is? Yeah, that's that's a huge problem that we have, right? Because we do have to prove as, as a plaintiff, as, as someone who represents the injured person, we have the burden of proof. We sure. have to say more likely than not, this crash caused these exacerbations or, or these injuries. Yeah. And so uh, one of the best things that we do is, is we go and we look at prior medical records. And yeah. if you're honest and you're forthcoming with your physician, you should be telling them, hey, I am getting better here, or, or I'm not, right? Sometimes we can't prove it because it's not accurate. Right. Um, so medical records are, are huge. One of the other things we do is we go and we interview what we call before and after witnesses, right? This can be family members. This can be people like here at Bind who know you and see you on a daily basis, and they know how you were before the crash and how you are now. And so that's another way that we can show, hey, look, you know, we uh, 
we know this person and before the crash they were actually doing a lot better here's here's examples of what they were able to do after the crash they can't they've completely regressed and so we look at doing things like that okay great thank you Mm -hmm. yeah and that that makes sense because you know we were talking about it yesterday and it's you know i've had a stroke so obviously i have a brain injury but if I was to get in a car crash, who knows what would happen to my brain injury then. It could be, maybe it doesn't do anything, and then maybe it does. So that was kind of the concern. So you can go back. That starts the clock all over again. I mean, obviously, I can't sue because I had a stroke. Darn it. <laughs> I wish there was someone I could sue for that, but nah. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah. Some, some things are just life, right? But but to, to one of your previous points, you know, it's easy to show a broken bone. We can right. go get an x-ray, and we can just see the break. With a brain injury, it's a whole lot harder. You know, from your stroke, maybe your MRI shows the damage to the area of your brain, and, and we can show from a previous MRI to a current MRI that there's different damage. A lot of TBIs don't show up on an MRI. Now, we can do more detailed scans where we're looking at different things. We can do SPECT scans and things like that. But for the most part, you know, unless you have a pretty severe TBI, it's not going to show on a regular MRI. And so we don't have imaging that we can compare. Obviously, if we have imaging, that makes it pretty easy, sure. right? Or at least it makes it easy to show a change. Now, we still have to correlate the results, right? Right. And show that, hey, these symptoms are caused by this change in the brain. But yeah, with the brain, that's, that's yeah. one of the reasons I, I love brain injury cases is because they are difficult. They're a challenge. And I feel like that's where we can really add value to the injury victim. Yeah, and I think what you were just saying too, like, well, from our the first episode that we had with you, like, why you're so active in Bind, why you're in the board of directors, why you're a lawyer in these injuries, I think it. I think personally, I consider you like a really good advocate um, with what your work do and what (laughs) your volunteer your time with, and accepting a second episode for you. So (laughs) I think you're a great advocate for it, Um, but like, what do you think would be like a great law for people to have in mind? Because sometimes, at least. On a personal basis, I had no idea something happened to me. But on my family-wise, I am so blessed that I had my stepfather, who was involved in stuff similar, to be an advocate for me. Because at the time, like my dad and my mom had no idea what is going on. But I think as a podcast, we are trying to educate people that there is something that can stand for them. So as a lawyer and advocate, like what do you think is something that um, people must know in regards to law or in regards to something that supports them. So in case something happens, you have to know that this is available. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know that I've ever really thought about that as in terms of, of uh, being an advocate. Thank you. Yes, I, you know, we, I want to help you guys get the word out. Brain injuries are a real thing. They're a real problem. And so many go undiagnosed that it just it crushes my heart to know how many people are out there struggling uh, with zero help. So from a legal standpoint, I would say, um, if you are involved in any kind of, a, of an accident, whether it be a roadway accident, a premises liability, we know a huge number of brain injuries are caused by falls, mm-hmm. right? You can always reach out to a personal injury attorney and it's free, okay? Mo- I don't know of any personal injury attorneys, certainly not any good ones, that don't offer a free consultation. They won't talk to you on the phone or, or their team will talk to you on the phone and tell you, hey, this there is a potential claim here. OK, so that's one avenue. Another avenue is, is resources like Bind, right? Brain Injury Network. 
um, with with clubhouses here in in the Dallas area in Plano and then over in Fort Worth. Uh, it's a great resource, right? There's tons of online resources sure. and um, social workers, right? Social workers can help put you in touch with um, different insurances. So if, if you need help with on the on the Medicare Medicaid side, they can help there. So uh, off the top of my head, those are the ones that immediately come to mind. But thankfully, we have the internet, and <laughs> I would I would just encourage everyone to to really advocate for yourself. Right. No one is ever going to know you as well as you do. And don't just accept the first response that somebody tells you, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's some other professional. Um, sometimes we're wrong. Right. Sometimes we see things differently. Sure. Sometimes, you know, we may have I may know a little bit more about brain injuries than other lawyers. They may know a little bit more about something else than I do. And so get several opinions but at the end of the day, you have to be the one advocating for yourself. You can't just let somebody else do it for you. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. That yeah. sounded great. Thanks, Absolutely. Scott. And I'm going to take a quick little second to ask our listeners to go ahead and click that like button and subscribe and continue listening. And talking about you being an advocate, which, yes, we know you are, and we're very happy that you're a part of Vine. Um, but, again, maybe what's something – Kathy was kind of touching on it, but – is there something that as a brain injury, like if you recently, even I'm trying to figure out how to word this, um, that when you're first in the hospital that you, how do you make sure that the medical staff, that you're getting the proper documentation or that you're asking, is there like any advice there? Well, unfortunately, we don't get to review our own medical records while we're in there, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I can tell you pretty much 100% of, of the claims that I work on, when we look at medical records, we shake our heads because, I, I mean, I get it. Nurses and doctors are busy, and a lot of these medical records will will essentially start off with everything being checked negative, uh, and mm-hmm. they have to go through and change it to positive if, they're, if they see something. And so a lot of things get missed, Right. A lot of entries are incorrect. You know, they put left shoulder pain instead of right shoulder pain. They put your male instead of a female. You know, there's just different things that happen. You can't do anything about that. The best thing that you can do is explain fully everything. Don't try to be a tough guy. Don't try to hide symptoms, which a lot of people do. A lot of it's self-preservation, right? We're scared. If we tell the doctor that we're suffering this, then, oh my gosh, they might tell me bad news. Yeah. Well, it's way better to have the bad news while you're sitting there in the hospital than figure it out later when damage has already been done. So the best thing you can do to advocate for yourself is be fully transparent with the physicians, with the nurses, and don't just let them blow you off. Right. Yeah. Demand answers. Tell them, no, we're going to do this until we figure out exactly what's going on and be persistent. Right. The the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> right. Be that squeaky wheel. OK, <laughs> uh, it works. And so that would probably be my, my best advice for advocating for yourself in that situation. That is really good advice because I guess I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, just being, you know, oh, no, I'm fine. It's, it's okay. We get a lot of John yeah. Waynes around here, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, okay. On the pain scale, it's like, oh, that's a 2 out of 10 and they can't walk. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, I will. And then, again, you know, some of us didn't know. Like, I wanted to leave the hospital when I was there. But guess what? Half my body didn't work. So, if I tried to get out of the bed, I was going straight down. 
Right, and, and that's a problem with, with brain injury victims, right? A lot of times you have no idea what's going on because your brain isn't working the way right. that it normally does. Yeah. And so that's a big issue too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think um, that's one of the things that I did too. I was in the hospital and I still registered for a second marathon. Actually, third. No, or fourth. I lost count. You, you registered for a marathon while sitting in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that is I'm not a normal thing. Myself. Yeah, I really did do that. And I'm like, I can't believe like now years later, I'm like, who, who, where was I thinking that I did that? I was still there, but I did it. Um, but going off with that a little bit, uh, I think that one of the things too, like I, I'm going to take that a little bit like about my current situation. Um, one of the things that I is still dealing with um, is my fear of driving in case something happens. Like I had a stroke and right now I'm still registering for my second or for my license because it's been over two years and the law in Texas that I wish I could have prevented. But <laughs> I have to take that test and I'm so freaked out about it. Like what is something like that's really my fear. And I don't know whether it would be something involved with like how would it be best to prevent any situation? And Carrie actually brought this up along with um, one of our, our previous guests, Carl, um, how it was important to be going to a, getting a DPS. Um, so I'm, can you yeah, explain that um, a little bit better? Well, Carl and I always tell new brain injury survivors, don't just, because you think you're okay and you're physically okay, don't just go get in a car and drive. Because if you get an accident and you haven't gone back through the Department of Public Safety and redone your driver's license test and have proof that you can legally drive after a brain injury, if the other lawyer finds out that you've had a brain injury, they're going to automatically blame you. But if you've done the proper things to, again, take care of yourself to make sure you go back. Like my license, and when I went back there and did the driving test, I didn't have to do the writing, the reading, writing and reading test, just the driving. They put a designation on my license that says, obviously, I can only drive a automatic because mm. um, I obviously can't push a clutch in anymore. And, you know, I only have one side that works. But so there's a letter on there. So if I get pulled over by the cops and I'm, they think I'm drunk, but it's just because my TBI, maybe I'm tired and it's, they'll know, okay, she can legally drive. So that's, I mean, Carl and I do it for CYA, but is that a law? Do you know? You know, that's not something I've really dealt with. Um, okay. Quite frankly, we've, we've dealt with things uh, like for people who've had seizures. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, right. yeah, there's, there's definitely um, yeah. protocols out there for that. For someone who's suffered a brain injury, whether they have to go get relicensed, I don't know the answer to that. Um, we've, we've never dealt with that in, in our office. I would certainly call the DPS and maybe there are certain diagnosis codes that would require you to do that. But if so, I haven't seen them. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of your fear of, of taking this driving test. Fear. Yeah. Fear, fear, fear. Hey, you know, <laughs> that's that's part of life is, is we got to face our fears, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's not a week that goes by where I don't have to do something that I'm a little scared to do. Yeah. And those are the weeks that typically end up being the better weeks because when you face that fear one of two things is going to happen you're going to yeah you're going <laughs> to succeed hey well you're going to succeed or you're going to learn yeah right and say you say you get in there and it's a disaster right i've had plenty of disasters personally professionally and it's really easy to just go beat yourself up and stick your head in the sand and i'm never doing that again ever ever yeah. But 
as you grow and, and as you have kind of that mindset shift of, you know what, that was a disaster. And it was a disaster because I didn't practice or I didn't spend enough time learning about that. Or, wow, I went about that the completely wrong way. Yeah. Then those disasters all of a sudden call become what I call tuition, right? That's tuition that I had to pay. <laughs> and I've paid a lot of expensive tuition in terms <laughs> of mistakes. Uh, but that's how I look at it is it's a learning experience, right? Yeah. And so if you approach it with that mindset, I think all of a sudden the fear bleeds off a little bit. And yeah. it's more of just like a, a challenge and say, hey, I think I'm ready. I've done everything I can. There's zero reason to be scared of this. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm currently facing that right now. <laughs> I've yes. had to like just register it. I'm you, like, well, I'm going to get it. I mean, you conquered your fear of a podcast. Now go get that driver's license. Yeah, now you're doing it every week. every <laughs> week <laughs> talking over here. <laughs> and I do have one more legal question that I thought about that I wondered. That's maybe, maybe it's not different. It's just added in. But can you request, now if you're not maybe just not asking for money, but let's say after your TBI that you know, half of your body is weak. Can you request home modifications? Like if you need handrails put in your bathroom. Are you talking about in the yeah, personal in the, injury? In the personal injury, like in the settlement, can you request for home modifications that may benefit you because of the brain injury? Yeah, we absolutely. Um, now you got to remember a lot of times you're limited by how much insurance the person has who hit sure. you or, or assets, or if you have your own insurance and, and for anybody out there, whether you have a brain injury or not, look at your insurance policy. Uh, Juan and I are on the same page here, I'm sure. Look at your insurance policy and make sure you have uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage. Uh, you don't wanna be out there just protecting other people. You wanna be able to protect yourself and your own family too. So make sure you have that, get as much of it as you can. Uh, because if the, if you're driving out here, especially in Texas, you may get hit by somebody who doesn't have any insurance mm -hmm. or has minimum limits. And a quick trip to the emergency room in an ambulance is going to eat up a whole lot of that. So, yeah. uh, but yes, if we, you, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll hire what we call life care planners. And life care planners will either be physicians or talk to the physicians to see what you're going to need moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to leave this open because typically there's only one payment Sure. From a lawsuit, and that's at the time of release. And so we want to make sure that everything's accounted for. And so we'll, that life care planner will do. They'll look at medication. They'll look at needs for imaging. They'll look at house modifications, driving modifications. They'll look at things that you used to be able to do that you could do again with something, right? And so then they'll price all that out. They'll move it to present value. And then that's a number that we would give to the uh, opposing insurance company. And that's how we account for those things. Okay, good to know, good to know. And thank you very much, Scott, for joining us. We're Absolutely. happy to have you. And again, we're happy to have you a part of our team. And we'll keep going. And we'll have all your information from last time. We'll have it listed in the show notes as well. Um, but we appreciate you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you very much, ladies. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to remind all of our guests and all of our listeners that if you want to contact us, Carrie and I are co-hosts. Mm. Uh, you can contact us via email at bindwavesatthebind.org. And also we have Instagram, so make sure to follow us and you'll be able to like hear a little bit more sneak peeks and things mm. more than just the videos. And don't forget, hit the like button, the share button, the subscribe button, the notify button on YouTube. Any button you see, just go ahead and click it. <laughs> It'll help us out. And make sure you'll have us available every Thursday in any of your platforms. So until next time. Until next time. <laughs>